Sarah Beth and I, we love going to the movies. One of the benefits of things getting back to a little bit more of a semblancy of normal is that Regal opened theaters back up a few weeks ago and we finally got to go back to something we loved doing. But something that we learned over time about going to the movies is that there was a certain cutoff of time that we could go. Because if we were to go after about 7 p.m., it never fails every single time that I always fall asleep about halfway through the movie. And not like a, oh, that's cute, he dozed off in the movie, but like a loud, snoring, embarrassing sleep in the middle of the theater. And we specifically learned that the the hard way, one trip to the movies when we were dating. And it was halfway through the movie and I I fell asleep and she woke me up and I I was half awake and I made my way down the stairs, uh, somehow to the lobby and made my way uh, to the restroom. And afterwards, when I was washing my hands, you know, before washing your hands was like the cool thing to do, um, I heard a confused voice, kind of high-pitched voice saying my name. And in that moment... I realized that all around me was only stalls. And the voice I was hearing was definitely too high pitched to be a guy. And it didn't take too long for me to realize, it seemed like an eternity, but it was probably just like a second that I was in the wrong restroom. And when I turned around to see who said my name, Not only was it a female, but it was someone that I knew. And not only was it somebody I knew that was a female, but it was an ex-girlfriend who I hadn't talked to for several years. Yeah. And I found myself in this terribly awkward, embarrassing, unfortunate situation because while my eyes were open, I wasn't totally awake. My eyes were open but I wasn't totally awake. And I feel like that is how many of us are in our lives when it comes to our faith, specifically when it comes to God's word. Our eyes are open, we are reading the words, but we're not really fully awake to what God is telling us. So I wanna, I wanna ask you a question, I want you to ask yourself this morning, is when was the last time that before you even open the pages to this book, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you have your time to read God's word, when was the last time before you even opened its pages that you asked God to reveal something to you? That before you even cracked it open, that you prayed to God, reveal something to me today through your word. When was the last time that your desire when reading this book was to come away with a mindset and a heart that was fixated on what God desired for you and for your life? Because, y'all, we don't have to look very far to see how messed up this world is around us. And it doesn't take long for us to realize how hard it is for every single one of us to navigate each day personally in the midst of the mess. But too often, instead of running to God's word for counsel, for advice, for wisdom, we run to social media and news pundits and bloggers, and, or maybe we just simply rely on our own wisdom because we're, stu- we're too stubborn to think that we actually need God's guidance. And so today as we continue our series called People of the Book, I hope all of us can see the example that David gives us of what it truly looks like to seek God's counsel in both good times and bad. But before we even open up God's word today, let's just take a moment and pray together. Will you pray with me? 
Dear God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, the gift that it is to us, how you can communicate to us through your word. And Lord, I pray this morning that you reveal something into the hearts of every single person in this room through your word. That you teach us something through your word. That we walk out of this room changed because of what you have revealed to us through the words on these pages. For God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning in the honor of reading of God's word? We're going to be in Psalm 119. Like I said, as we continue our People of the Book series. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 17 through verse 24. This is David writing, deal generously with your servants so that I might live. Then I will keep your word. Open my eyes so that I may contemplate wondrous things from your instruction. I'm a resident alien on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. I am continually overcome with longing for your judgments. You rebuke the arrogant, the ones under a curse who wander from your commands. Take insult and contempt away from me, for I have kept your decrees. Though princes sit together speaking against me, your servant will think about your statutes. Your decrees are my delight and my counselors. Thank you. You may be seated. And so today, as, as we go through this passage in Psalms, we're going to kind of break it up into two sections and, and two points that I want us to take away today. And the first point is the reality of God's counsel. The reality of God's counsel. And we see David begin with this in verse 17 when he says, Deal generously with your servant so that I might live. Then I will keep your word. And we see here a reality of why we are here on this earth. And it begins with this understanding of our place in the universe and that we are not the center of it. We need to get a grasp on this reality that we live for God. We live to serve God, not the other way around. We are to desire to have the same viewpoint that David has as he pleads here with God. And what David is doing here as he writes this, David's not making a deal with God saying, you know what, if you deal generously, if you bless me, then I will live according to your word. No, instead he's saying, God, I am nothing without you. So God, give me life. I don't have life without you, God. So give me life so that I can let the word of God be what guides me in this life and so I can live for you. And we see him continue this plea in verse 18. He says, open my eyes so that I may contemplate wondrous things from your instruction. As I mentioned earlier, we can open up the word of God and we can read the words on the pages, but we need to be awake and be reading with eyes that are not only physically open to the words, but eyes and hearts that are spiritually open to receive what God is speaking to each of us. See, the more David read the word of God, the more he longed to know more. Because the more he read, it became clear of why he was here on this earth. And the same goes for us. You're no longer asking yourself, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Instead, you're asking God those same questions and asking him to reveal the answer to those questions to you through his word. And when that happens, a shift focus, a shift, a focus shifts. Our focus shifts from it's all about me to it's all about God. And this can be a challenge because as David reminds us in verse 17, we live in a very broken world and that this world is not our home. In verse 19, he says, I'm a resident alien 
on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. As I get older, the more I realize the things that I'm just not very good at, the things that maybe I was too stubborn to admit before that I just am not very good at. One of the biggest things that I probably struggle with is that I'm probably the most directionally challenged person in this room. Without a doubt. Some of you like, like wives and look at your husband and you're like, no, he takes that award by far. But no, I promise, I'm the most directionally challenged person in this room. For example, when I first started interning here at Wallace, it took me almost a year to get here from my apartment in Carnes without using a GPS. <laughs> I know. And to this day, I still use my GPS pretty much every day, even though I rarely like leave my Knoxville bubble, I still have to use it every day around town because without it, I would constantly be getting lost. And nobody likes that feeling. Nobody likes to be lost or that feeling of being lost and not knowing where you're going, which is exactly why David here pleads to God to not hide uh, did not hide the word from him because he gets this reality that, that while we're here on earth, the word of God and his commands are what is supposed to be guiding us. It's what's supposed to be directing us until we move from this earth into our eternal home. And this longing from David is not a once a week thing. It's not a once a year thing, but it is a constant longing coming from him. And we see that as we continue into verse 20 where he writes, I am continually overcome with longing for your judgments. Many of us, when we become Christians, we start on this, some people call it like a Jesus high, with this intense passion to live for him, to maybe tell others about him. And that passion lasts longer for some of us than others. And it's much like if you were to take gasoline and pour it on a fire. Because when you do that, it will burn bright for a little while. But if you're only relying on that single time of pouring gasoline on the fire and you're expecting it to sustain the fire for a long period of time, you will be disappointed. And for many of us, we think our initial passion we got when we were saved several years ago is what's supposed to sustain us. We think that maybe that one camp or that one event that we go to a year is supposed to sustain us. Or maybe there's some of us who think that coming here on Sunday mornings is what's supposed to sustain us spiritually every single day of the week. But David says no. It is a continual longing. It is a daily surrender. It is a constant mindset of seeking God and his will through his word. Because in his word, as we move into point two, we can find rest in God's counsel. We can find rest in God's counsel. And these final four verses here in today's passage show us and remind us that being ridiculed, being mocked, being opposed for being a Christian isn't by any means something unique to us in 2020. It's not something unique to you or to me. It's definitely not something that just appeared out of nowhere because a law changed here or there in a country. As long as we are here on this earth, if we are truly living for God, it will cause us to stand out and we will face opposition. But how we react to that opposition is very important. How we react to that opposition is very important. And instead of letting political leaders or celebrities be who we look to for how we respond to opposition, let God's word be what guides us where we find our rest during those times. In verses 21 and 22, David continues by saying, you rebuke the arrogant, 
the ones under a curse who wander from your commands. Take insult and contempt away from me, for I have kept your decrees. See, David, he's saying, God, it is my prayer that you remove the insults, the way people talk about me, the way people look at me, because I am doing it all for you. Because God, standing out is not easy. Getting ridiculed or mocked for your faith isn't easy. It wasn't easy for David then, and it's not easy for us now. But as disciples of Christ, we should never be surprised when opposition comes. And when it comes, we are to stay the course. We continue doing what God has advised us and instructed us to do, and that is to keep his commands. We're to continue to love God and love people. We are to continue to be disciples and make disciples, no matter what is being thrown our way in this life. But too often our reactions don't truly reflect our trust in God. Because believe it or not, there is no such thing as blasting someone on social media in Jesus' name. There is no such thing as mocking someone in Jesus' name. There is no such thing as gaining up on someone in Jesus' name. There is nothing Christ-like about any of those things. And Jesus actually took a bit of a different approach as he instructs us in part of the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5, verses 11 through 12. When Jesus says, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We live in a lost world in need of a savior. So instead of feeling like you always have to defend yourself, let the word of God And his word be your defense to your retaliation instead of your retaliations of insults. Let the word of God be your defense, not your retaliation of insults. I do understand that none of us in this room are perfect. I'm not, none of us are. And our tempers and our sharp reactions can sometimes get the best of us. And having that knowledge is why it's even more important for us to strive after this constant mindset of staying in tune with God as your counselor in these situations. Because see, your flesh in this world will often tell you to retaliate. Your flesh in this world will tell you to retaliate, but our God tells us to turn the other cheek. Not caring when others don't think highly of you is hard. But often it is necessary in order to truly follow God. Verse 23, David writes, So princes sit together speaking against me. Your servant will think about your statutes. We need to get where we can say, you know what, I could care less that these people are speaking against me because I want to follow God down this path that he has me down. And I know, I know if I'm truly following God that it won't be popular. But we have to be very careful here that our definition of persecution and opposition doesn't get skewed. A great quote that was sent to me recently said, it's not religious persecution when people reject Jesus because of you. Religious persecution is when they reject you because of Jesus. We see a lot of the former and act like it's the latter. It's very important. I'm gonna read that one more time. It's not religious persecution when people reject Jesus because of you. Religious persecution is when they reject you because of Jesus. And we just read Matthew five eleven. you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. 
because of Jesus. Being people of the book means criticism, but let it be because of what's in the book. Not pride or anything else sinful within us that that people will see through us in those times. And I get it, it is very easy to fall into those traps, especially right now in a political season, and especially as we get closer to November. It would be very easy for me to to angrily just get on social media and, and comment on every political post that I disagree with, but at the end of the day, who is going to heaven means way more to me than who is going to the White House. There's a time and a place to have opinions There's a time and a place to communicate them, but no matter when, we need to make sure that they are always filtered through God's word. I never want a single word that comes out of my mouth or typed with these fingers to be a stumbling block to someone coming to know Christ. Because if we're speaking the truths of scripture into people's lives in a God-honoring way, we can rest knowing that no matter the result, we were faithful in simply doing what we have been instructed to do while here on this earth. And what we have been instructed to do should bring us joy. And as David concludes in this last verse, he writes, your decrees are my delight and my counselors. If God truly is at the center of our lives, and if he is who we are trusting as our counselor, the one we are seeking to guide our steps, then reading his word and following his commands should never seem like a chore or an obligation or an inconvenience or something we have to already to squeeze into our already busy and hectic lives. Because if life is going to be, or if life is going great, then guess what? There is joy because we're trusting God. And if life is not going great, then there's still joy to be found because we are trusting God. And if we face persecution, then as scripture says, count it as joy because you are trusting God. As life is crazy, constantly changing, but we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's lean further into what he wants for our lives and what he wants to reveal to us through the pages of his word. It'll probably always be a struggle for me to go to movies past seven o'clock. That was actually affirmed last night. We actually went to a six o'clock movie, so I guess I'm getting older. I need to push the time back. But it will always be a struggle for me. But the worst part about falling asleep in movies, uh, for SB, it's the embarrassment of my loud snoring. But for me, the worst part is that while asleep, I'm missing the most important parts of the story. And when I wake up half asleep, I struggle to put the pieces together of what is happening in the movie because I'm not able to totally focus on what is directly in front of me. And as long as we're not awake to God guiding us through this life, through his word, we're missing out on our purpose of why we're even here on this earth. Because that story that is being played out in front of us has a main character named Jesus, not any one of us. I hear people in the church say often and post often that it wants to see this awakening, that it wants to see revival, but this awakening needs to begin with the church waking up. It begins with the church taking the words in this book seriously and putting God first above everything. First above your goals, your career, your academics, your political affiliation, your comfort, your need to be accepted, and most importantly, your pride. As we read Psalm 119, 17 and 18, deal generously with your servants so that I might live. Then I will keep your word. Open my eyes 
so that I may contemplate wondrous things from your instruction. The reality and rest found in God's counsel is an amazing, beautiful thing. So let our eyes begin to be open and actually awake and let's begin to actually be people of the book above all else. Because goodness, we need an awakening right now in this country and in this world. And so as we begin a time of a challenge and invitation, I'm going to invite the band to go ahead and head back up here. And there's two groups that I want to challenge this morning. The first is those in the room that already know Christ. A lot of times I think the invitation, we can think that, oh, that's just for those who don't know Jesus yet. So I'm going to go ahead and start thinking ahead to what I'm going to have for lunch. Or I'm going to start gathering my belongings together. Or I'm going to answer those texts that came through during the sermon. But no, the invitation is for all of us every single week. Those that know Christ and those that do not. Those that already do know Christ. I want to challenge you to take this time during this invitation for you to ask God to instill in you a passion for his word. I want to challenge you to spend time in prayer that when you open your Bible that you are asking God to reveal to you the wonders of its pages. And I challenge you to let this book be where you first seek your advice and your wisdom and your guidance. And those in this room, maybe you're here and maybe it's the first time you've ever been in church. Maybe you don't know Christ. I understand and we all understand with you that this life is not easy because we live in a world full of broken and sinful people. We are in a room of broken and sinful people and maybe you are just tired of trying to navigate this life in a world that seems hopeless. But the amazing things that we can see in this book when we open its pages is that we have hope and we have hope through a savior named Jesus who came to this earth and who died on a cross as a penalty for all of our sins and rose three days later and conquered death. And coming to know him is is very simple. That process is not very complicated. We talked about it this past Wednesday night upstairs in the student center that all it takes is for you to simply admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior. It's probably pretty, for, pretty easy for all of us to look at ourselves and see just how broken we are. To see just how messed up we are. To see just how messed up we are and how much we need a savior. How much we need something beyond ourselves to guide us in our life. So first admit that you're a sinner, that you need Jesus. The second is believe and confess that Jesus is that savior that you need. And finally commit to surrendering your life, your whole life to him. And when that happens, you have this hope, this eternal hope, this hope that not only is for your time here on this earth, but that lasts for all eternity. So I pray that during this time of invitation, there'll be leaders that are here up front to talk to you, whether something's going on in your life, you're struggling with something, you just need to talk, or maybe you just need to to hear more about this Savior named Jesus that, that we just talked about. I would invite you to come up and talk to one of our pastors or leaders here this morning. But I pray that as you leave here today, that your heart and that your mind is focused and maybe has a new goal and a new passion for the word of God. That when you open it, you're excited because God is about to reveal something new to you, whether you are eight or 85, because he never stops from the day you're born until the day that you die, revealing stuff to you through his word.
So would you pray with me? We'll continue to worship together. Dear God, I thank you for this morning, this privilege that we have to to be able to gather together, to open up your word and see what you would have for us this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that during this time of invitation that you just place a burden on our hearts to be awake to the lostness that is around us and knowing, God, that, 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 that as we continue to try to reach the lost, that it begins with us having this passion for a word inside, for your word inside of us. And as that passion burns brighter inside of us, Lord, that we know that we couldn't help but to go out into the world and share the good news and the hope that is in Jesus. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone in this room who does not know you, that you would give them the courage and boldness to step out of their seat and come talk to a leader and find hope that is only found in you, Christ. So God, be with us during this time. Move in every single one of our hearts during this time. It's in Jesus' name, amen.